Greetings, grave robbers, and welcome back to the movie Mausoleum. I am your TV necromancer, TV's Noah Houlihan. And it's Razzy Month. Yeah, kind of. So here's what's going down, gang. Uh, Razzy Month has kind of fallen in tow with episode 200, which will be on The Cape. Six seasons in a movie? No, just one season of The Cape. And uh, we were very excited about episode 200, uh, but uh, I fell ill and then immediately uh, gave the sickness to Laura. So this is episode 201. And if you're disappointed, me too. I understand. Uh, But I'm really working to make episode 200 happen the way I want it to. Uh, So we're just going to travel through time like time travelers and jump to episode 201 and talk about some Razzie movies. Now, when the Razzie movies came out, me and Laura had a discussion about what we were willing to watch. We didn't want to have another blonde situation and we didn't want to have another, what was it, undeniable truth situation. And Laura told me that she was pretty much okay watching anything except for Exorcist the Believer. And uh, Laura's currently ill, and uh, she's got a sore throat, so talking's not really her strong suit right now. So I sat down alone to watch The Exorcist, The Believer, and that's what we're doing today on the show. So sit back, pop some popcorn, and let me save you from having to watch this god-awful film. So this is streaming exclusively on Peacock. Uh, which means I had to sit through 160 seconds of ads in order to get to this film, and they were the best 160 seconds of this movie. We start the film uh, on an island or or a tropical setting, uh, and we see a pregnant woman, and she's just kind of going about her day with her husband, and it gets to a point where she's going through this day just kind of talking to people, they go to church and stuff like that, that I check to make sure I put on the correct film. Because this did not seem like an exorcist movie. So they continue to go through their day, and then suddenly there is an earthquake. And the building they are in, which is like an apartment complex, crumbles and squashes this pregnant woman. And then the man that I will then know to be the lead of the film, Victor, grabs his wife's hand and, you know, says, like, you know, stay with me, stay with me. And they uh, cut to him talking to a doctor, and the doctor says that there's nothing that uh, they can do, they can only save one of them. He's going to have to make a choice. And this line, you're going to have to choose, is so echoey that I could barely hear it. Anything we do to keep her alive would endanger your child, your baby. It's a difficult choice. At this point, I attempt to put on subtitles so I can hear, at least read, the film. (laughs) 
It is so like the idea that this man is making this impossible choice between his unborn child and his wife. And you can't properly mic the man asking him the question really sets the tone of failure that this movie then puts on. Uh, We then cut to the future and uh, Victor is now living with his, let's say, junior high daughter named Angie. And they have like a cute little relationship Like, she's being troublesome and, like, doesn't want to go to school, so she goes and hides in her room. And uh, her dad, like, sneaks up on her, and they giggle, and they laugh. They're living a happy life. But (laughs) uh, there's this little bit of an argument that they're having uh, because Angie wants to go to her friend Catherine's to study after school. And you can tell that Victor, like, really kind of depends on his daughter. Like, his daughter's, like, kind of his best friend. That's all he really has of his wife. So he's reluctant to let her go. Uh, Of course, Angie has never met her mother and is kind of like trying to go through her mother's things to kind of, like, learn about her mother. And Victor doesn't like this because that's all he has left of his wife. All makes sense. Victor decides that he's going to let uh, Angie study with Catherine. She's very happy, jumps out of the car, and goes to school. The next sequence of scenes, the sound mixing is so bad, I thought my TV was broken. So, we have this... uh, Oh, it should be noted, though. Angie needs to be home by dinner. That's going to come up later, so I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, The class that Angie is in is just reading or just watching a movie. Like, its teacher has a hangover day, and they're just watching a movie, and the film that they're watching is someone reciting The Raven. And Angie and Catherine, the the girl that she's going to go study with, in studying quotes, uh, they are whispering to each other. And the teacher's like, hey, keep it down. But they're whispering to each other to the point that you cannot hear them. Radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Nameless here forevermore. And to the point that like the subtitles are more focused on the guy reading the Raven, that it's like it's hard to keep up with what they're saying even through subtitle. Because it's being interrupted by the raven. Then I decide my sound must be broken. So I try to switch the sound settings. And I find that I'm on English, but there's English AD. And I'm like, oh, great. Maybe that's like something that'll fix the sound system. English AD is apparently for the visually impaired. 
So now, while they're whispering their plans, uh, and this guy is shouting the raven, another voice is saying, Angie speaks to another girl sitting behind her in class. I was like, this is even worse now. So I have to go back and I watch it again. And apparently they're not going to study. Surprise. They're going to go out into the woods. And the plan is... Angie is saying that she's going to Catherine's. Catherine is saying she's going to another girl's house. And they're like, well, what if they call? It's like, oh, that that mom's cool. They'll say that we're there. I was like, well, that's not cool. But whatever. I finally, I, I rewatched this scene like three times to kind of just piece that together. This next scene is so crazy that I actually just pulled it up on my computer and watched it again because I thought this has to be a TV issue because I could not hear any dialogue. It is just traffic noises. I'm going to play this clip for you. I beg you to tell me what's being said here. I beg you. Listen to this. Did you catch it? Did you? You can go back and rewind and listen again if you want. What is being said here, according to the subtitles, is, and so my dad's not gonna call because he's going to the um. Listen again and see if you can make out any of that. That's how poorly mixed this film is. It's so frustrating. And even more insane, while Ange and Catherine are kind of on this adventure, we see what Victor, her father, is up to. He's at, like, a boxing gym. And stuff happens, but it's so quick that you assume it's not important. And he's also a photographer. So he's trying to take picture of this family that's fighting <laughs> and this like kid doesn't want his picture taken and he's just trying his best to like hold it together we cut back and the kids are doing spooky stuff in the woods they find this like kind of like underground tunnel like I, like maybe there was a house here, but now all that's left is like a basement. Like it's unclear what this structure, which is like mostly outside, really is. But you see that Ange has a picture of her mother, a uh, necklace that we assume is her mother's, and they like light a candle and they're trying to contact. Uh, the spirit world. While this is happening, we see Victor going through the pictures, which are all terrible. But then, like, the lights flicker, and then the pictures that he's looking at get kind of, like, corrupted. Like, they get, like, I don't know, maybe, like, the ring, where it's just, like, weirdly wavy, and it just doesn't work right, and he's like, heavy sigh. Well, time to go home. So... This is where things really break down in terms of logic. The dad comes home late and says, And are you here? Are you already asleep? 
Ange does not respond, so he calls her phone and she doesn't pick up. Let's review. He told Ange to be home for dinner. Victor does not arrive home until a time that would make sense for Ange to be home and asleep. So we can assume that Ange was supposed to be home, let's be generous, at 6 o'clock. And her bedtime, again being generous, she's like a junior high school student, is 9, let's say. No matter how generous we are, Victor's three hours late to getting home and does not call his daughter until he's home. There's no, like, I'm on my way call. There's no, you better be home by now. And you could argue, well, maybe he called the the cell phone uh, when he, uh, like, left and we just didn't see it. Well, then why didn't he call the house line if he was assuming that his daughter was home? None of this makes sense at all. So, uh, Victor decides he's going to call uh, Catherine's house. But he doesn't know the number, so he's like snooping in her room and has to find it in like an old yearbook, which is like maybe a thing you should have asked for first. I mean, like, I'm not trying to, to tell you how to be a parent, but I think it's odd that you don't have this number. <laughs> so she calls and the mom's like, oh no, Catherine told me that she was going to this other girl's house. So Victor goes over to Catherine's house. They call this mom of this other girl and she's like, oh yeah, uh, they said something like to say that they're here if you ever called. Like, what? Is, what is that? And this is a character we never see. This is the that's a rap on this person. Is she's just on the phone says like, yeah, I was supposed to lie for them because they're doing something that uh, probably want to hide from you. So it's probably not a good thing. But you know, whatever. <laughs> so they, uh, like they find out they they call the police and uh, they find out that they went into the woods. Like they have security footage of the school. So they're gonna go. Look in the woods. Uh, they find like a uh, a backpack that uh, Catherine had, and Victor happens upon the tunnel that we, as the audience, know that the kids were in. He finds a he finds the necklace, but when he reaches for it, there's also like a snake, which is like Ooh, spooky. And then he finds, for some reason, now this like tunnel's full of water. Uh, for some reason, he reaches into this murky water that's full of snakes and discovers his daughter's shoes. So, something bad is clearly happened to these kids. So, they go to the police station to discuss this because now, like, we have evidence that they were missing. And the parents are like, what are you guys doing? We found all these clues. Find our daughters. Uh, and there's talk of there being, like, homeless that live out in the woods and Victor kind of uh, takes a moment and looks at Catherine's parents and says 
Uh, you mentioned your daughter is a free spirit. Is there anything she's involved with that you're not telling us? And they immediately snap and like, we don't know you. What is your daughter into? And then they start to fight. And the police are like, you can't fight in the police station. We need to work together. We're all on the same team. So let's get it together. We'll figure this out. Uh, so we have this kind of like the kids are missing montage where they show them interviewing the, they show the police interviewing some homeless people. They show that they're missing in class. Like they show the classroom that they were in before listening to someone read, uh, the Raven and, uh, someone is reading the Jabberwocky. Uh, you know, the, the verbal sword went snicker snack. Remember the store that? Cause I'm going to bring that up later. They interview the parents of Catherine on TV, like Victor's home and Catherine's parents are, uh, being interviewed. Like, if you can hear this, please come home, Catherine. And at this point, I'm looking at all of this and wondering, is this movie going to say something? Now, maybe this is because I just watched Talk to Me, which is a good possession movie, uh, that Talk to Me is very clearly about feeling isolated and needing to have a social connection, and also very obviously about drugs. A good horror movie should be about a thing. I'm trying to pick out if this movie is actually about something. And the fact that Catherine's white parents are on TV and Victor is not approached to be on the news, I was like, maybe they're going to make a statement here. This is me giving far too much credit to this film. After searching for his daughter, Victor comes home and uh, finds that his front door is open. He looks into Angie's room and there are two women smudging it. Like they have, they're like burning sage and stuff. And then this white guy with glasses is like, oh, Victor, you're home. We're doing a ceremony to find your daughter. And it's so casual that I was like, wait, who is this guy? This is his friend from the boxing club that we saw for a moment. And I was like, oh, I guess they're best friends that this guy thinks he can just show up into his house unannounced and bring strangers to burn sage. Victor doesn't want anything to do with it. Kicks everybody out. Uh, he's desperately trying to look for clues. There's like some imagery with like a cootie catcher, like one of those fortune tellers. And he's kind of looking at that and he opens one and it says mother. He's like, oh, maybe this is something that'll never come up again. Uh, I should also mention there's a lot of shots with mirrors in them that don't do anything. Like they don't reflect anything, but like there seems to be purposeful mirrors throughout. There, there seems to be the idea of stuff constantly with no follow through. So what happens next is we randomly cut to a dead horse on a farm. And this boy and his father is like, I don't know, the horse got sick. Well, they're like, go get something from the farm uh, or from the barn. And the young man runs to the barn. He hears a, a noise. It's like, ooh, something scurry's going to happen. And he opens like a gate and he finds 
Ange, and Catherine. So the girls are taken to the hospital. And we see Victor, like, flying in his car to the hospital, like, running through red lights, causing accidents. Like, a spree of mayhem happens as he gets there. Again, I'm thinking, oh, maybe he'll get arrested, but the white parents will get there and be seen as like, oh, this tragic story, and Ange will get forgotten. But none of that happens. There's no consequences to Victor's actions. He just gets to the hospital. Uh, It is then revealed that the girls think they've only been missing for a few hours. They've actually been missing for three days. And for some reason, they have gross feet. Granted, they didn't have their shoes. They were found in the, the shoes were found in the puzzle, but that they have really gross feet. Everyone's assuming that they went through some kind of trauma that is uh, sparking this like defensive amnesia, like something so horrible happened that they don't want to talk about it. Uh, and at this point, I have high hopes for the movie. Because you've opened the door to a lot of stuff. Like, right now, we are introduced to a very interesting mystery. These two girls have gone missing for three days. They think they've only been gone for a couple hours. They really don't know what happened. And their feet are messed up. They've presented a lot of different, like, options to us. There's the idea of these homeless people in the woods perhaps doing something... Uh, uncouth. There is the idea that maybe Catherine is not to be trusted because Victor brought that up and maybe Catherine's into something. The parents of Catherine feel the same way about Victor, so maybe they're thinking Ange was up to something. There is the idea of this random sickness that has now shown up because uh, the horse was found dead. There was the fact that they were doing a summoning ritual in the woods. All of these things are possible explanations to a very strange mystery that we're being presented with. And this would lead into kind of an interesting discovery portion of a film if it wasn't called The Exorcist. If this film was just called, like, you know, The Girls in the Woods or something, we'd have a mystery. But it's called The Exorcist, so we know they're possessed. So there's no reason to really set up all these, like, loose threads and possibilities. (laughs) You gave it away in the title. So the, uh, they then go through, and I hate this, uh, they go through a gynecology montage where they're trying to, like, figure out if they went through any trauma, which is unnecessary. Like, I understand that they're trying to be realistic to what would happen in this situation, but one, I don't want to see that. Two, it doesn't really add anything to the horror. Three, you could have added a whole nother layer of storytelling to this if they refused to do this and they just didn't believe the girls. And they wrote the girls off as the girls were in the woods, they didn't want to get caught, they're making up a story. And they could have really pushed it if they only believed Catherine and they didn't believe Ange. Like, they set up all these pieces and instead it's just so run-of-the-mill that it's it's not needed, and it's dumb and horrible. Uh, I completely forgot to mention 
that uh, Victor has a uh, next-door neighbor who's, like, a bit nosy, a bit of a Karen, but she's also a nurse at the hospital. So her introduction into the story was, like, being upset that Victor didn't take his trash cans off the curb. And to me, I'm thinking, oh, and now she's the nurse taking care of Ange. She's got an issue with the way that Victor runs his his life and his household. He should probably uh, have, like, a bit of a story beat where she is untrustworthy towards Victor... And thus, we could create some sort of storyline here where, oh, Victor's the bad guy not to be trusted, and Victor has to prove himself. And again, we could do something with this story because, you know, we have people of different classes dealing with the same situation and how they're being treated. None of that happens, despite the fact that her introduction is terrible and makes her to be a bad person. She's just a good nurse, and she really wants to take care of these girls who are... They're not, there's nothing really wrong with them other than that they like to put their hand on glass windows and like stare and they just, then they just want to go home. So they go home. Um, we also get some exorcist style subliminal scares where just like for a frame, we see like an injured body. This is something that the exorcist did and was like really innovative at the time. Uh, For example, there's like a scary face that pops up. You've probably seen it if you ever played like the scary maze game. But when it would come up, the sound that they would play was like a mix of like a lion's roar. And one of the reasons it was so terrifying is that on an instinctual level, we as humans are afraid of being eaten by lions. So that type of roar is like kind of embedded in our DNA as scary danger thing. They don't do any of that for this. It's just like some run-of-the-mill noise. Like, I like I was never really startled. And I don't like being jump-scared or anything like that. I don't think it has any place in today's horror, and I think it's cheap. Um, but, like, they never successfully do it. It's just, it's not very good. Uh... We then have this stupid moment where uh, Ange uh, is sent to bed. Victor's like brushing his teeth and the lights start to flicker. And then he looks over and it's just Ange doing it because she's bored, I guess. Uh, Ange leaves and then it happens again. The lights flicker and then the lights go out and they come back on and Ange is just there. Like, oh, the lights are flickering. It's like, it's such a... Like, it's not a cat scare. It's somewhere between a real scare and a a cat scare. Like, if if you don't know, a cat scare is when, uh, usually like a cat, you you think something scary is about to happen, and it's something innocuous, like a cat. Uh, A real scare is when, you know, the boogeyman jumps out and goes, boogada, 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 boogada. But in this, we're already trained to not trust Ange, So when you have a real scare, something sudden has happened, and now we fear for the characters. 
when a cat scare happens, we kind of laugh it off like, oh, they got us. Like, it's kind of like a fun thing. You kind of relate to the characters because they were scared and they shouldn't have been. It's like a fun release of energy. It's it's classic horror movie. This, the thing scaring you makes you go, oh, what, is, is that bad? Like, <laughs> you don't want to be startled followed by confused. <laughs> and not in a way that, like, makes you interested. Like, ooh, what was that? Let's solve this mystery. It was just like, why did that happen? What is the point of any of this? What are the point of the, any of this could be the subtitle to this film. <laughs> There's also my favorite bit of dialogue here where Angie says, what did you say? I heard you say something. And I was like, that's really the tone of this movie is wondering what was being said. Because again, the sound mix, terrible. Uh, Victor, the next day, tries to make, like, a super breakfast because his daughter's home. He makes, like, pancakes and bacon and with a side of Rocky Road ice cream, uh, which might be symbolism for the Rocky Road that's ahead. But, like, again, I'm just desperately trying to make this movie something more than just a run-of-the-mill, hey, we have the, exorcism fran- the Exorcist franchise, let's use it. Uh, he wakes up his daughter to find that she had possibly wet the bed. So like he tries to run a shower or a, a, a bath for her. He steps out, like gets the, the, the linens comes back. She's missing the water in the tubs, like weirdly Brown. And then she just kind of jumps out and attacks him for no reason with uh, a scarf, which I think now that I reflect on it is her mother's scarf. Cause that's going to be important later. But, it was dumb. He, she jumps out. She wraps the scarf around his eyes and like bangs his head into a bedpost. And then we cut and she's being like dragged screaming into the hospital. Uh, we then get uh, Catherine at church and Catherine is being real weird and doing stuff with her feet. Uh, and... During communion, her parents get up. And I should also mention, they're making a big deal that Catherine's there. They're calling it a miracle. Like, the preacher points her out. And the preacher's like, the preacher doesn't look like a priest. Like, he's wearing a suit. He looks very, like, televangelist. They all clap that Catherine's back. The parents go and get communion, uh, which is full, like, uh, shots of wine communion. They then have this moment, and sorry for the content here, but uh, since Catherine is uh, younger, she's not taking communion, uh, she's sitting with the other kids, and she's kind of like, she has her hand between her legs. It's not really, really explicit what she's doing, but like, you can make a guess. She then leaves and her parents are like where's Catherine and the other kids are like oh she left like what do you mean she left (laughs) it was like she had an appointment she you know she had other things to do I know uh she apparently gets into the sacramental wine and just covers herself in wine and uh the priest is kind of or the preacher is kind of doing like the goodbye summon (laughs) the sermon where it's like all right we've had communion This, this is like your Jerry Springer, final thought, and Catherine enters, and uh, 
just starts screaming the body and the blood over and over again as she comes in covered in wine. I assume she also dumped wafers all over herself, but that doesn't that doesn't stick to you like wine does. And she also has to get taken to the hospital. So now we have both children back at the hospital acting all crazy and they're trying to figure out what to do and the parents get to talking uh so Catherine's parents and victor are talking they're like wow our our kids they're they're both going through this like weird thing and Catherine's mom's like we should have got her baptized because apparently in her uh religion, the Catherine's religion, they don't baptize you as a baby. They wait till you understand the commitment. That makes sense. And now we have this issue where Catherine's parents are very religious and Victor is an atheist because of what happened to his wife. He kind of lost his faith with the death of his wife. So now we have like kind of people at odd odds, which is like nice. Like now, now we kind of have like a theme going on here. Uh, Then Catherine's mom is like, you know, our daughters were gone for three days and came back with burnt feet. You know who that sounds a lot like? Jesus. Jesus, when he was killed, was put in a tomb. He was gone for three days and went to hell to establish his dominance over the devil, which I'm a, I'm a Catholic schoolboy. I was in Catholic school for, for nine years and I always knew Jesus died for our sins. What I didn't know is that he died, went to hell and like walked up to the devil and said, Hey, I'm Jesus. You might know my dad. I run this now. And then that's how he opened the gates to heaven. Apparently, he thought that it would take three days. He actually overestimated. It really only takes him two. Like, he dies late Friday and comes back Sunday. That's not three full days. Just saying. Uh, So the idea is their feet are burned because they're walking around hell, which is, like, super hot. And now they're back. (laughs) Uh... So the first idea of something demonic is being brought up now. Uh, The nurse takes Ange's temperature. And uh, the temperature's error because I guess she's so hot. And Ange uh, calls the nurse Sister Mary Xavier, says something about killing a baby, and then kind of like pees blood. Now... This is meant to uh, invoke the fact that the nurse character was planning to be a nun. But right before she, this is something she eventually tells Victor, uh, right before she took her vows, she broke her vows, uh, ended up getting pregnant, and ended up uh, aborting the baby. So, a few things here. It looked like they were trying to tell a nice little story about young girls going through puberty. The imagery with the hand between her legs and the imagery of blood coming out 
really invokes those things and the parents not really understanding how to handle it. None of that will come up again. Again, it looks I'm trying desperately to make this movie be about something, but it's not. It should also be said that Victor thinks this whole thing about them being possessed or dealing with the, the going to hell and dealing with the devil is ridiculous. There's no way that that's true. But when the nurse tells him the story of him becoming an, of her becoming a nun, she mentions that she told no one that her name was going to be Sister Mary Xavier, and yet she knew this story. So something bigger must be at play, which convinces Victor that something must be up. Which means, if the demon inside of Ange wasn't so on the nose with screwing with the nurse, Victor may have never tried to fight this battle, and they would have won. Just throwing that out there. Victor starts to believe, and uh, reads this book uh, about a real-life exorcism that happened, and then goes to see the author. Uh, The author is Chris McNeil, who is Regan's mother from the original Exorcist movie. So they are bringing back, it's it's the, the actress who played her, they're bringing her back. She had like written a book about what had happened here. Uh, she had lost, she'd lost contact with her daughter after all these events. Like they're, they're not close despite having gone through this. Uh, and ends up <laughs> uh, having this conversation with Victor and uh, is like, my daughter needs help. Uh, can you please come help? Now, and for some reason is still in the hospital, but Catherine goes home. Uh, they, the, Her parents believe that they are going to deal with this and they can handle it on their own. Uh, Chris and Victor walk into Catherine's house and it's been destroyed. Something really cool happened off screen where there was like some fight with a demon. We don't get to see any of that. Catherine's father's on the ground. He's like crying. It's like, it's my sin that caused this. We never know what that sin is. We never know what he did. There's like some weird things where they like, he exchanges looks with his wife and then like exchanges looks with like his other kids. Like he was maybe like inappropriate or uh, uh, like went outside of his marriage or something, but we're not getting any details in that. Uh we then have Chris go talk to uh, Catherine. And when she walks into Catherine's room, uh, Catherine's reading the Bible, which, like, if you're a demon, is that really what you're going to read? Like, the Bible? Like, you, you, you were there for a lot of it. Like, why do you, like, you should know that story. It's like the book, you know? There's all these other things to do in this room. And that's what you're choosing. It's just like, 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 do we have to rewatch The Office again when there's other things that we can watch on Peacock? Uh, like The Exorcist, for example. <laughs> I don't understand why the demon's doing this. And the demon looks up, sees Chris, and was like, oh, you again. Are you going to help me like you couldn't help Regan? Like, what? 
Apparently, the events of the exorcism are so big that it's now like the story in the demon world. Like, it's the, it was the hot talk of hell in the 70s of like, oh my God, did you hear what Greg did? Greg possessed this woman, like, threw up in a priest's face, <laughs> called his mother a whore. Oh, it was hilarious. He got kicked out. It was a whole thing. But like, while he was there, some good stuff got done. Like, Greg's a legend. If you see Greg, get him a shot. He's awesome. So they kind of have this exchange where they talk about what happened. Uh, Chris renounces uh, Catherine's demon. And Catherine grabs a crucifix and just stabs her eyes out. Stabs Chris's eyes out. And let me tell you, I hate this. I hate the idea of you have a dormant horror franchise. And you bring back someone from the original just to do horrible things to them. Like, this is not Laurie Strode coming back for Halloween and, like, having that final face-off and getting the vengeance she deserves with Michael Myers. This is a woman who was like, yeah, I did this exorcism years ago. Uh, I wrote a book about it. I've been living a happy life. You've now shown up to drag me back into it, and now the demon's going to win this time. Like, I find it very unsatisfying. So they take uh, they take Chris to the hospital. Uh, she, she's got no eyes. It's not it's not good. And they meet uh, Father Maddox. Father Maddox is a priest that they're like, hey, gonna need you to perform an exorcism. He sees the girls. He's like, whoa, this is bad. I'm gonna have to to do some stuff. So he goes to the council of priests like, hey, I've seen the girls. I've prayed on it. We need like help from the bishop. And like the council of priests is like, nah, I don't, that, that, that doesn't sound like something we want to do. Two of the priests are just casually playing chess during this meeting. Like Father Maddox is like, the, the souls of these girls are currently at war between God and the devil. And the priest is like, oh, that that sounds rough. Uh, pawn to to G4. Like, what what are we doing? <laughs> Why is this? <sighs> so Father Maddox is going to continue to uh, talk to the church. Uh, Victor calls his boxing friend and was like, yo. Remember those girls that were like lighting stuff on fire in my daughter's room? I need them again. They have a conversation that's very hard to hear because it's this movie. But there is like something about like you can't take something without giving something, which is going to be a theme. But like they mumble it and luckily I had subtitles on and I caught it. So this is them actually establishing a theme for once. They've decided that they're going to have like this battle. So they have these two chairs in this like sacred circle uh, that they're going to strap that they strap the girls to because there's demons, their hearts are beating as one, like they're in sync. And we have a super team. We have the team of Victor, Catherine's parents, the nurse who is going to be a nun, uh, and the boxing coach, and these two other women. Uh, Father Maddox shows up and's like, "Hey." I'm here. I just want to let you guys know. 
the Catholic Church has decided that they just need therapy. Everything's cool. Uh, I will not be going in there. And they're like, but we already set up. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, here's a Bible. Best of luck. But uh, I wash my hands of the whole situation. Then we're setting up for this battle that's going to happen. Uh, they enter the house and Victor's like, everyone take your shoes off. I don't know if it's just like, this is my, we're a shoe-free house, so everyone take their shoes off. Uh, for some reason, Catherine's dad refuses. He's like, I'm keeping my shoes on. Like, I, I guess just to be difficult, just to show us, like, he's also difficult. Uh, they walk into the room. They're like, it smells terrible in here because demons smell bad. And they all put on scapulas, which brings up my trauma because I was a Catholic school uh, child for for nine years, or nine, yeah, uh, kindergarten, eighth grade. And I remember when I had my first Holy Communion, as a gift, someone gave me a scapula. A scapula is a necklace that when you're wearing, you cannot get possessed by a demon or the devil. And when I was in second grade, being handed this necklace and being told, yeah, if you wear it, you can't be possessed— I interpret that as everyone not wearing this can be possessed at any time. Why aren't we all wearing these at all times? And then I had nightmares for years about possessions because, like, if the existence of this necklace exists and it, the church is saying, yeah, that's what it does. It presents, it prevents demon, demon possession. Then demon possession is real. And can happen at any time, unless I'm wearing this string. I should note that, like, it it was, like, made of plastic and twine. Like, it's not like a gold necklace. It didn't have, like, a crucifix on it. It just had a little, like, note on it that said, like, whoever wears this can't be possessed. Like, the, apparently you could probably just make it. Like, no. It, it's, it's basically the equivalent of saying, like, no, I'm on home base. It sounds dumb me saying it now, but it really bothered me as a child. So they surround uh, the children, most of them not wearing shoes. Catherine's dad, pain in the ass. And the first line that uh, the nurse reads is something along the lines of, May the Holy Cross be my light. May the dragon never, never be my guide. Vade retro, satana. May the dragon never be my guide. And apparently, the devil is referred to as a dragon at times in the Bible. Which, to me, feels very weird. And this is, again, me desperately trying to make this movie have a stance of some kind. I don't think it does. But the words that they choose to open this kind of like ceremony, this exorcism, are very similar to the Jabberwocky that is read at the classroom in the beginning. And the idea of tying the Bible with this mythological beast, I think it's, is it from Alice in Wonderland? I think it's from like something like that. And like basically tying the act of the exorcism to a fairy tale you would think is saying like this is all ridiculous and not something you should take seriously 
but it is very much the climax of this movie. <laughs> so what are we doing? Like, what is this movie trying to say? So everyone's like praying. The the kids are are spouting trash and 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 profanities and also like spitting up stuff and it's bleeding and there's like upside down crosses appearing on their forehead and then they cut to Victor who is like unbothered by it like he's just kind of standing there like mm, I don't I don't know about this and then he kind of like gets into a crouching position and looks into his daughter's eyes her eyes are now like yellow just blood and snot and sick just leaking out of her mouth and she goes you you don't believe Victor at this point <laughs> how are you still skeptical of what's happening like there's he's still at this feeling of like we're doing this but like I also think logically there's probably something else going on because I don't I still don't believe in God it's like well <laughs> You probably should, no, like, notice some stuff. Like, even if you don't think it's demons, like, there was the whole stabbing. Like, you should at least be concerned. And then, as if they, like, lost a page of the script, we just cut to outside. It's like, what? What are we? Are we still? We're just outside now. Oh. All right. All right. So there's like a moment of like Victor pouring something down a sewer and then like he looks and sees Maddox in his car. He's like, hey, the fight's in there if you want to come. And he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to just pray out here. They come back in. (laughs) I see it in my notes and I can't believe the words I'm about to say. They dump holy water on the girls and it like burns them. And then they kind of look up and they, they, they cough out like this orange vapor. They actually call it vapor. And they're like, what is that? And it's like, oh, that's the vapor that's being released. And then one of the women that were doing like the smudging earlier throws something into a fireplace and then green smoke comes out and it's a smoke fight. The orange vapor and the green smoke kind of have a battle. And the orange smoke loses, and the green smoke wins. <laughs> the coach goes, the, the boxing coach who's still there goes, is it over? Did we win? And they go, nah, but it's a start. And I was like, well, that's like even the people in the movie are now like, are we done? That, that That's good enough to be done, right? We could end the movie right here. We don't have to do the right. No, there's more movie. So, I don't know what, like, good thing happens with this smoke fight. Because they won that level, uh, the next level's, of course, a bit harder. And they're, like, fighting with, like, words, and the, the kids are fighting back. And there's this weird moment where... uh they get burned by the crucifix that they're they're holding. And Victor uh, decides to say the Lord's Prayer. So now he's starting to believe. And 
uh, and starts talking about the day that his wife died. And they like are showing flashbacks to that moment where Victor had to choose whether or not his whether his wife lived or his daughter lived. And we find out that he actually chose his wife. But they failed to save her and ended up saving the baby. Which, that's a solid twitch, uh, or a solid twist right there. And Anne just like, why didn't you pick me? You never wanted me, all this stuff. And then the demons say, uh, you have to choose. Catherine or Ange, who do you choose? And Victor and Catherine's mother are kind of looking at one another like, hmm. So now we're kind of playing this like, ooh, someone going to be selfish. Like we're kind of having like an interesting bit here. And they both go, we're not going to choose. And it would have been nice to have had some sort of like foreshadowing of like, they're going to try to lie to you. Don't believe anything they say. You know, like in Slay the Princess, uh, which you can watch on the Plus Two Comedy Gaming channel right now. Uh, Some warning that like they're going to try to manipulate you. And they're both like, no, we're not choosing. We're not choosing. And then boom, Maddox bursts in. It's like, yeah, you guys were right because you didn't choose. Cool. I'm here now. And he starts doing some prayers, but he touches the girls, which you're not, you're not supposed to do. Uh, so it seems like they're winning. Like they didn't, they refuse to choose. They have the priest there now. Everything's great. And then they just kind of like twist (laughs) Maddox's head off using power and (laughs) he dies. (laughs) And they're all like, whoa, we thought we were doing well, but now Maddox is dead. It's so great that he was here. (laughs) He did nothing. We were doing great without him. And then he showed up uh, and then uh, he died. Uh, Everything's going crazy. They're like hooked up to EKG machines that are all flickering. The lights are going out. Uh, They're breaking out of the chairs. They're both yelling like, choose me, choose me, choose me. And eventually, Catherine's dad, Mr. I won't take off my shoes, yells, I choose Catherine. I choose you, Catherine. Tony, no. Tony, I choose Catherine. No, I choose you. Pikachu, I choose you. Everything super goes to hell. There, we see like a naked demon for a moment. Uh, Angie flies into the air, hits the ground, throws up a black hole. Uh, all this stuff happens. And then we see Catherine like reappear in the tunnel where all this started and she's no longer possessed. She's like, mom, dad, like what happened? And then all these hands jump out and drag her to hell. And then Ange wakes up and Angie's fine. When they were saying you have to choose, they were choosing which daughter goes to hell forever. (laughs) And they chose Catherine. So Catherine's now gone and Angie's now back. Angie has now survived twice by not being picked. What's the message here? (laughs) Like, what are we supposed to get out of that? Like, it's good to be unpopular. (laughs) And... (laughs) 
uh, the cops roll up. They're like, uh, there's a dead priest in here, and there's a little girl who's dead. Um, there's also someone threw up a black hole on the ceiling. I don't know how we're going to clean that. Uh, we need an astrophysics cleanup crew, I guess. And then we get, like, <laughs> happy music and, like, the sun's out. And we get this moment where the, the police captain is talking to the nurse. And the nurse is like, what do you think evil is? I think evil is giving up. The devil wants to see us give up. But that's not what we do. We persevere. And it might take time to have clarity. But we will always keep going. And during this, we have like a montage of like Ange and Victor kind of like being happy together because Ange is back and alive. We have like the coach, the the boxing coach, like, oh, I'm a good friend. I was in this movie for some reason. And then we have a scene of like Catherine's dad sitting in a diner with a cup of coffee and Angie's mom comes and like sits across from him. Like, I understand that it's like everyone's got a different cross to bear, but eventually we will find peace in it. Um, Catherine's parents have to come to peace with the fact that they were willing to sacrifice Victor's daughter forever and accidentally condemned their daughter to a eternity of suffering. That's a, that's, that's going to need more than a cup of coffee at a diner with the sun out to like get over. Like that's, that's something you're going to think about like a lot in the shower, you know? So I don't know why this upbeat music is playing. And then we see Chris with like these eye patches over her eyes, sitting in a chair, like taking a deep breath and kind of like releasing all the tension. And then the door opens and she goes, who's that? Is it you, Victor? And you hear, no, it's me, Mom. And it's Linda Blair reprising her role as Regan. She's like, I'm finally here. And they kind of embrace. Which would have been real cool if it wasn't for the fact that if you Google this movie at all, the first thing that pops up is Linda Blair. So I knew immediately that Linda Blair was going to be in this movie. And I thought she might play a bigger role because it was like the first credit I saw was, oh my God, Linda Blair's in this. She said, no, six words. (laughs) Came back for six words. Uh, And then the movie ends. And and that's it. Uh, This is a movie that is like, it's the best example of a cash grab. It... This is going to be a weird metaphor, but it reminds me of Space Jam 2. Like, Space Jam was a success in spite of everything. And they were like, oh, Space Jam 2 will be successful because it's Space Jam. This has none of the, like, heart and, like, what made the exorcism special, nor does those tropes really hit the way that they used to. 
And, like, this might have something to do with the fact that I did just watch Talk to Me, which is a much more interesting, thought-provoking film. But, you know, when I watch a, a horror movie, like... I know some people just want to watch it for scares uh, and, like, for laughs and, like, like, you know, oh, look at the effects and stuff like that. But if you're going to do that type of movie, you got to make everyone unlikable. Everyone in this movie is just suffering the whole time. Like, <laughs> Victor is suffering from the start of this film till the end of this film. And even then, like, he's going to have some problems. And, like, what is considered a happy ending to me is not happy in, in the slightest for most of the characters, except for maybe the boxing coach, because he helped his friend that he really cares about. And now they can go back to boxing. <laughs> this is a soulless movie. <laughs> and I think it could have been made slightly better if it was not called The Exorcist. Uh, and like, it also made me think of, what is that movie? Uh, Insidious? Uh, Insidious is also like a, a demon possession movie. And uh, there's like an old woman who like is a specialist in demon, but they all, she has these two other people who are like her lackeys and they just keep making the same joke throughout the whole film, which is she's psychic and we're her sidekicks. I feel like that's what the boxing coach was supposed to be. He was supposed to be like the the comic reliefs, but he doesn't talk. <laughs> He's just kind of there. His only line is, is the movie over yet? Are we done? And it's not. It's just, it misses on so many levels. Like visual effects, pretty good. Music, good, because it's the exorcism theme. Um, performances are fine, but like, there's nothing in this movie to make you care. It feels like there are parts missing and it certainly doesn't say anything. And like, if you're not going to say anything, why bother? Uh, so it's a stay doomed for me. Um, I hope you guys listened and enjoyed this solo episode. We should be back with, uh, episode 200, which will be a, uh, a look at the Cape uh, if not, we might be back with 202 and uh, and be doing another Rising movie. We're going to try to sprinkle them back and forth because it's it's episode 200 month and Rising month together as one. Uh, so we might like sprinkle in some uh, some more Razzie movies uh, throughout. But I will say we have watched a chunk of the cape already. We just have to get to the point where we're well enough to both be recording. Uh, so it should be uh, coming down the line very, very soon. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash plus two comedy. Uh, you can also follow us at Stay Doomed on X, and you can follow me at plus two comedy if you want to talk about better horror movies. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay doomed. <laughs>